Welcome to the Anonymous Podcast. This episode will be a guiding principle study and commentary. The aim is to provide insight to and context of the material within our book, Guiding Principles. This is not a meeting of Narcotics Anonymous. However, there will be some similarities in how the study will be conducted. Each study will have the audio recorded and then published to the Anonymous Podcast. The overall goal is to provide commentary of the text towards reaching those seeking a resource like this. If one person benefits from our efforts, including us, then the participation will be well worth the effort. We'll have the introductions and then we'll jump into the text. Enjoy. Hi, everybody. I'm Michelle, and this is the Anonymous Podcast, The Guiding Principles, The Spirit of Our Traditions, and we are on episode 32 this week. Uh, we're going to be kicking off on page 50 if you want to grab your books and get them out uh, in the, for the group section. But first, we're going to introduce ourselves. So I'm Michelle C. I'm from Bend, Oregon. My cling date is 8-13-92, and my home group is the Early Risers, and you can find us online and I also fellowship in the Bend, Oregon area. Uh, Alberto. Yeah, I'm Alberto, and I'm an addict. My clean date is 10-30-16, currently in the Fort Worth area, and my home group is Another Chance in Hearst, Texas. Awesome. Thanks, Alberto. Brooke. Hi, my name is Brooke T. Um, I live in Colorado, and I attend meetings in the Mile High area online and in the Boulder area. Oh, my clean date is 6-16-1997, and my home group is Just Can't Miss It. Thanks, Brooke. Phil. Phil. Phil M. Um, my clean date is 4 1995. Uh, my home group is Men in Recovery in, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I do meetings in um, the Pittsburgh area, Pennsylvania. Thanks, Phil. Carl. Hey, I'm Carl. I'm an addict. Clean date January 6, 2015. And my home group is Open Mind in New Orleans. Thanks, Carl. Douglas? Thanks, Michelle. My addict name's Douglas. I got clean uh, March 12, 2000 in Southwestern PA, and I uh, stay in the Raleigh, North Carolina area now. Great. And Donna? Hey, everybody. My name's Donna. I'm an addict. Uh, I live out here in Eugene, Oregon. I attend meetings. Uh, here in the Lane County area and online, my home group is Solutions for Living. And uh, my clean date is Thanksgiving Day, 1985. Thanks, Donna. All right, friends. Well, we are on the third tradition still. And the third tradition states the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop using. We are on page 50. And we're reading through the for the group section. We're on the third paragraph down. And Donna's going to kick us off. Can you do the first two paragraphs, Donna? I can. Uh, is it worth a group's time to consider what information is important and how to share it clearly and consistently? It is worth a group's time. The principles are the same throughout Narcotics Anonymous, but each community and each group has a distinct way of doing things. That variety reflects our autonomy and creativity. Groups may explain basics in their announcements. Sometimes a list of suggestions are read and pr or printed on meeting schedules. Some groups make it a priority to ensure that the newcomer receives literature or phone numbers. Some groups ask members to raise their hand if they're willing to sponsor. There is no one right way and each group seeks its own solutions. Creating community includes building bridges and establishing and maintaining boundaries. Our third tradition tells us that we do have a requirement for membership. We must have a desire to stop using. Still, it is not for anyone else to say whether we qualify. Our desire to ensure that everything is just right can sometimes lead to the, us to the letter rather than the spirit of the traditions. Every addict should be able to feel safe and welcome at every NA meeting. That is the atmosphere of recovery our traditions foster and protect. So um, I was just actually talking to somebody about this earlier today, somebody who, you know, has moved to an, a new area um, for the third or fourth time in their 30 plus years of being clean and has gotten involved in service again, 
which is lovely, right? When you got people with a lot of clean time getting involved with service, but it's often very frustrating <laughs> because nobody does it right, right? Nobody does it the way that you were taught to do it. Nobody does it the way that when you were taught the traditions are like, this is how you do it. And so I, you know, I think that's where that says about, um, uh, we have to be careful about what we think is right, right? That the idea that there's only one right way to do such a things with the money, with our time, with our autonomy, how we open a meeting, how we close the meeting, you know, what part of the NA literature we choose to share, right? Or, or, or read in the meetings, you know? Uh, um, and uh, when I'm in a good place and I have an open mind about that stuff, I can have a really good time being someplace where they don't do it right. They don't do it the way that I do it, you know, and I think, um, you know, as long as our primary purpose is being met, you know, that addicts are feeling welcome, whether they're members or not, whether they're clean or not, you know, but just that they are welcome to be there, that they feel welcome to be there, that they know they're welcome to be there. Um, uh, and they and they probably won't unless we tell them. You know, we had a, a newcomer in our in my home group this last Sunday, and we were laughing and laughing and laughing. It was just such a joyful meeting, right? And we were just having the best time. And I look over at this kid. I mean, he's about like 20 years old. He's got a month clean. He's just fresh out of treatment. He's got the most confused look on his face. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and after the meeting, like all the guys like rushed up and make sure you have phone numbers and stuff like that, you know, and we, and we were having a good time, but that new newcomer didn't know what the hell we were doing. Right. And we were reading out of the literature. We were talking about recovery, but we all been clean a really long time. What we find funny, what we, you know, uh, gosh, I remember, I, do you guys remember the first time you laughed after you got clean? I mean, like that real belly laugh after you got clean, right? And I do because it had been a really long time since I had laughed like that, you know? And I, when I get that again, when I'm in meetings, that joy just lights me back up. It lights me back up. And it was wonderful that the guys just went right over to that kid and, you know, and, and just like made him know that he's welcome. We want him to come back, right? That we're not always a bunch of goofballs and, uh, and uh, that, that he was in the right place, right? That he was in the right place. You know, make sure he had literature and stuff like that. So um, uh, I have to be really careful about, um, you know, the kind of the my way or the highway kind of thinking, you know, because again, the spirit of the traditions, not the law and the letter of the traditions are what are important. So thanks. Thanks, Donna. Alberto, would you like to add in? Yeah. Um... So like that, you know, going back on that autonomy piece. So like, I think it was like maybe about a month ago, I went to my home group and like, I want to say it was like a just for today meeting on their guidelines and they decided to switch it up, right? The chair people. And they were like, oh, hey, we're going to read the spiritual principle of the day draft for today, which still isn't approved, right? And so I'm like... All right, these people piss me the hell off, right? They, I mean, they automatically, at the time, every time I went there, I was just not, I was practicing tolerance, kindness, compassion, and stuff like that, right? Um, and so I immediately, I texted my sponsor. I was like, yo, man, are they technically breaking traditions because it's not fellowship approved? I mean, I get it. It's, I believe, and I would like for it to be approved, but like, it's still technically not approved. And these people are like, they're just idiots is what I thought, right? Um and immediately I decided to shut it out, right? I, I, I wasn't going to pay attention to these people. I'm tired of the way they do things. And like my sponsor calls me while I'm at a meeting. He knows that I'm at a meeting, but I was like, so, okay, he's calling me. This is probably serious. I get out. I'm like, what's up? He's like, Alberto. He's like, technically it's not fellowship approved, but the fourth tradition does talk about autonomy with a group can do whatever they want as long as it's not affecting NA as a whole. And I was like, holy crap. I was like, you know what? Because I'm real technical with real sometimes. Like I was all ready to be closed-minded, right? And he's like, that's why I called you, Alberta, because I knew you already told the group to go fuck themselves. I was like, you're right, I did, you know? Um, 
And so after hearing that, right, I, I went back into the into the group and I was able to listen. And, and let me tell you, was that a great meeting? You know, how I was able to receive, right, the addict there doing what they were doing to stay clean. But just because I'm a self-righteous asshole at times, right, I think I know what's best when in reality, I still don't know much. Um, so I just wanted to share that experience because, again, that autonomy piece and and reminding myself that, like, you know what, like, I'm not, for one, I'm not God, right? I don't run any meeting. Um, and for one, I wasn't the chairperson, you know what I'm saying? Um, so it's just pretty cool that it says that the principles are the same throughout Narcotics Anonymous. You know, people just have a different way of doing things. And I have to be reminded that that's okay, right? That's all I got. Thank you. Thanks, Alberto. Brooke. Hi. So um, first thing I was thinking of is imagine if every time we went into a meeting, it was exactly the same. Like they did the same readings. And sometimes it feels like it. The same people are saying the same things. But I mean, just like <laughs> seven tradition got passed at the same time. And, you know, um, all of that stuff that we like um, that's what I think of when I go to a new area. I'm like, I wonder what they do. Um, and I'm happy to say that it's actually become a bit of a conversation when people hear that I um, got clean somewhere else. One of their first questions is, so how are we doing it wrong? <laughs> you know, because um, the truth is we need to talk about that because um, yeah, we are black and white thinking, inflexible and stuff like that. Um, when I was in Seattle, I went to a nooner that we laughed so hard all the time. And it wasn't necessarily a bunch of people at a time either. Um, maybe we were just whacked on coffee, but we laughed so hard. And we used to, people would always confuse people and we'd be like, recovery is far too important to take seriously. And the other thing we like to say was, um, it's about spiritual enlightenment, so lighten up. <laughs> you know? So I really liked what Alberto said, because I probably would have been like, it's good to know um not that I ever get angry with people but I just I was just thinking about all of the stuff that um maybe I'll talk to my home group about things that we can we've had a lot of newcomers coming in and we may need um maybe throwing a couple things in the um into our format that that speaks to that you know, and just gives them a little, because it's hard to remember if it's not written down, let's be honest. <laughs> so that's enough out of me. Thanks. Thanks for those insights, Brooke. Uh, Phil, jumping in. Okay, I'll be real quick. Wow. Uh, uh, so good to be back. Uh, good stuff, uh, everybody. I like everybody uh, who shared, but I'm just going to be real quick. Uh, today is Tuesday, and today was my must meeting. And lo and behold, what, what Miss Donna read, we must have a desire to stop using. So, um, and that is our only requirement. And I just wanted to um, put that out there because I, I do love all of our must and narcotics anonymous. That's all I have. Well, I'd say that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good must. Um, you know, one thing that I will add that caught my eye in this well, actually two things. And it kind of uh, goes back to what Alberta was saying in that autonomy piece is like, I think that that there's those conversations of, of like, how does autonomy, how are we making sure that our autonomy is still aligning with our traditions? Like, where are we walking that line just because we want to do it? <laughs> and, you know, I've been involved over the years in meetings that like had um, controversy. When I was clean in the Bay Area, there was a meeting that used almost their whole seven tradition to buy bagels on a Saturday morning. And it was like, there was so much controversy over like, that there needed to be a second kitty for people to donate for bagels so that the seven tradition was going to support the, the area. And, you know, it was like this controversy, right? And well, they were autonomous and they could choose to do that if they wanted to do that, but it created all this controversy. And, um, you know, uh, my home group does, we pick angel cards one, one night, one Thursday night a month. And we were like, well, they're not NA approved, but they're basically just spiritual principles in a box, right? Um, so we could write it on popsicle sticks, but they're a little cuter because they have little pictures next to them. It's just a word and it's a spiritual principle. And so, you know, controversial could be um 
you know, and so I think that those things, um, and, and that if there's people who come in and start to become part of the home group that, that have concern with it, that they should feel safe. That was the other thing I was going to touch on is that in that last paragraph, it says every addict should be able to feel safe and welcome. And so like to not be closed off to that, that, that what may make somebody else feel unsafe when we're walking that gray line of autonomy, um, you know, sometimes has to come back to that group conscious to stop and go, are we doing the right thing in the spirit of unity, in the spirit of, um, you know, making sure that every newcomer that walks in the door feels safe and comfortable in our meeting. Like, so I think that, that we have to, I have to remain open because I can feel really like, um, right. I can feel really right in my resolution that this is fine, right? That whatever it is that I was a part of that I agreed with is good and fine. But if, if what I'm hearing from other people is that they aren't feeling safe or that it's affecting them in a negative way, like I have to be willing to step back from my righteousness to, for the greater good of unity. And um, that, you know, I'm going to stay clean, but you know, like I've been doing this for a while, but like, what about that newcomer? You know, if they're feeling unsafe or unwelcome, what do we need to do to adjust so that that shifts so that they can stay clean? Um, so anyways, those are my thoughts on that. Um, Alberto, would you like to kick off those next two paragraphs for us? All right. Tradition three reminds us of that spirit that warm welcome, respect, and empathy that can make NA feel like home. Care for the newcomers is sacred trust. No matter what is going on in our lives, sharing with a suffering addict is an opportunity to get outside ourselves. Empathy creates identification and offers gratitude and perspective. One of the deepest challenges for groups is to remain open to all of the still, to open to all and still create a safe, hospitable atmosphere. Group unity and a powerful sense of community can protect us from the challenges that come with open membership. A strong NA message, clear boundaries, a loving higher power, and unity can protect us from ourselves and from many ills of the societies around us. We do our best to safeguard those who are vulnerable without making others feel unwelcome. That's a lot of powerful stuff. Um, and I guess the first thing that jumped at me is that how tradition three reminds us of that spirit, the warm, welcome, respect, and empathy that make NA feel like home. And so I believe there was a, a recent just for today about, you know, um, like just, or maybe it was a topic I mean, I don't remember, but about how NA is like the first place that we found the home in. And actually, no, this was, it was the, the podcast last Tuesday that we were talking about. Um, and I kept listening, I kept listening. And like, I just remember thinking about home is, is the first place where I feel like I belong, right? Because all my life, I felt like I did not belong. Like people grew up telling me that I look like my mother. And I think I do. I, I still kind of doubt it, right? But for like years, and this is no joke, for years, I always thought I was adopted, right? That maybe I was swapped at birth, right? Um, because I didn't feel like I was ever at home with my mom. I didn't feel like I was a sibling to my siblings. I didn't felt like I belonged at the school that I went in. So I always felt like an outsider, right? And, and then I come to a meeting and then I hear an addict with three years clean talk about how he was openly raped by his uncle and how there was no shame, there was no guilt. Like he was able to share that and, and, and given the message that, hey, look, man, I went through some things, but I'm, I'm clean today, right? And like that gave me that vulnerability to be able to say, hey, you know what? I got molested as a kid too. And that's one of the reasons why I use drugs because for the longest time I felt like I should have known better. A six, seven year old should not know better, right? But I blamed myself for years believing that I did or that I should have better yet said. Um, and so like being able to like, being a newcomer at that time, like, like I just felt safe. Like, I felt like I was finally understood, right? That all the things that I've done, all the things that I've thought, like, I'm not alone, right? Like, I'm not the only one that wants to, like, you know, hurt myself because it's easier to hurt myself instead of other people, right? Um, and, and, like, the best part about it is that, like, everybody belongs. 
whether it's someone from a drug replacement program, whether it's someone that's still using, or whether that's someone that's going in there because you know what? Yeah, I'm not gonna go to there, but like everybody belongs if you wanna belong. And like having that door open made me realize that like, you know what? I've never felt anywhere place. I've never, there was never a home I felt unlike NA, right? I've tried getting clean through religion. I felt uncomfortable in the churches, right? I've tried to white knuckle it and, and I've always felt alone. And then I walk into a meeting and I see you guys, right? The weirdest, weirdest looking people, but you're all laughing. You guys are smiling. You guys go to diners together and don't care that it's black, white, yellow, brown. Like you guys are all there, Harley leather with dresses and suits and dirty rags. Like all of you guys are together. And for once that made me feel like maybe I can be there too. Right. And so, yeah, I love that. And that's all I got for that. Thanks, Alberto. Some powerful words there. Uh, it doesn't look like we have anybody else wanting to speak up on that. Brooke, uh, you want to read the next two paragraphs? Oh, Phil, did you have your hand up? Yeah, yeah, I'll, oh, I'll be real quick. No, you're I'll be real quick. You guys hear me? We can hear you. Oh, okay. I'll just be real quick. I just loved um, uh, all those little sentences uh, that they they put together. A strong and a message, clear boundaries, a loving higher power, and unity can protect us from ourselves and from many ills of society around us. Uh, that is that is so true. Just had a, a little uh, kerfuffle in the in the home group with with some with some girls back and uh, back and forth um, last week, and uh, uh, that made me made me think of the older members and things and not uh, uh, trying to uh, settle it down and this and that and and talk and, and and praying about about things and this and that and. Um, uh, with the older members of the home group um, and uh, the folks were fairly new that the little kerfuffle happened with and them coming around them and, and talking about our literature and traditions and things. And, uh, and just thinking that the, one of the girls came back uh, this week to apologize for, to the home group for their, their behavior. And, and that's what that reminded me of is to how the members uh, did what they they did, uh, and and what made her uh, come back, meaning being loving, caring, and having boundaries, and our um, our message in that, and just the the pr protection of of things that we can all do together as a group to um, you know make something uh, good out of something bad. That's all I got. Thanks, Phil. All right. Brooke, the next two paragraphs. Some people come to NA to do harm, sell drugs, or engage in other destructive activity. Groups may struggle with predatory, exploitive, exploitative, inappropriate, or violent behavior. There are times when action is necessary to protect members, members from danger, but when problems are resolved without crisis or disrespect, NA demonstrates it's different from the difference from the places we came from. Finding peaceful ways to help all addicts to recover in dignity carries a powerful message. We gain little by ignoring difficulties and, to, and stand to lose much if we avoid the challenges we face. The group can seek solutions before reacting and create more problems and creating more problems. Just like in our own lives, we can't solve a problem until we identify our part. The service pamphlet, Disruptive and Violent Behavior, the PR handbook, and members who have been through similar challenges can help us protect the group and all its members. Groups can't refuse an addict membership, but sometimes our actions or attitudes push people out. A member shared, when our marriage broke up, I resented, resented anyone who was nice to my ex. I said I wanted the best for her. I prayed for her sometimes, but then I'd stalk social media and get mad at my friends who were still friends with her. This kind of drama can be dismissed as foolishness when our actions are inconsistent with our principles, it affects the group as well as our personal recovery. Making space for each other to recover can sometimes challenge us, but the rewards are great for all involved. We can practice these principles because they are essential to our freedom from active addiction. 
the simple respect we show when we allow an addict to recover in dignity, even if we find them attractive or have history with them, may be a spiritual gift beyond measure. Nice. What really hits me on this one is, is that um, idea that um, we can Together, we can come up with a, a, a six, successful, respectful way to um, handle issues. Um, yeah, because I mean, the, obviously, we know. I'm trying to think. I can't think of a particular instance, but um, I have seen a lot of people. Uh, yeah, I've seen many times where people are upset, upset with each other. I guess my, I did have a moment in my home group where um, two of my home group members were very angry with each other. <laughs> um, and just finding a way through that, using spiritual principles instead of where we came from, that's the difference. We still have the problems, how we solve them makes the difference between whether or not we're in recovery or active addiction. Um, and, uh, and, and that's, that's really amazing to me because although I'd like to think we didn't, we don't have any problems. It's not the way it works. And pretending like we don't have any problems also doesn't work. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I love that part about um, where I was talking about. And even this one was straight up when uh, people being nice to my ex. I can, I, yeah, I've heard that one a few times. Um, but yeah, we need to make space because that's how we grow. Like we go through troubles and we learn stuff, new, new stuff. And um, I was also thinking it doesn't just happen in groups. It happens in areas. It happens in regions. Um, and uh, and I know it's, it's there's always some area that's having an issue, I'm sure. But I think it's happening in more, issue, more areas than usual right now. Um, and, um, and to remember to res that we respect each other and that we're all um, members and that we're all important. Is, uh, is a good place to start for me. That's all I have, thanks. Thanks, Brooke. Carl. Yeah, really related to this, this reading. And for some reason, my, I've been using my phone, so I don't ever forget my book anymore. So, but I guess somehow I switched the, if you tap it, it switches pages. So I had lost my little page, but um, one of the, the last sentence that leads into it, into those two paragraphs that Brooke just read, but the very last, we do our best to safeguard those who are vulnerable without making others feel unwelcome. And then it really tackles a lot of these things that, I mean, I've seen a lot. I've seen people sell drugs before. I mean, people in drug court selling drugs because they are not using them. And um, one of the guys I just saw, they had this, uh, Paul sent a, a cutout and there was 14 people arrested in my hometown. And I grew up with this guy and he was in drug court, you know, for two years or whatever. And he was also one of those people that sold drugs and now he's going to prison again. And, um, and I've seen it all. I've seen predatory, I've seen exploited, I've seen... I mean, I've seen it all, but I've also, in that second par paragraph, been the, the addict who was resentful towards an ex, you know, and my story went down where I had, and I've shared it with y'all before, but where my ex ended up being with an old sponsee of mine, you know, so we had, her and I, she started using, we split, and then she was coming after my sponsees and even my sponsor, my sponsor at that time, but. Um, and I definitely was pissed about my friends still trying to be cordial, you know, and I would, I'd be like talking to him like, dude, how can, how can y'all okay that? You know what I mean? Like, that's so unhealthy. And, you know, I was saying that, which it is, I mean, and I really stopped hanging around a lot of those people anyways. And, um, sometimes I feel like in NA, it's like, I guess that is that balance because those in hindsight, yeah, both of them were very vulnerable, you know, and so was I, but at the same time, it's like, where is that fine line with trying to make people feel welcome, but also like, 
not saying, hey, bro, like that's fucking sick what y'all are doing, you know, and it's it's hard to navigate that, you know, and, and um, there was a part. This last this is the piece that really hit me, too. We practice these principles principles because they are essential to our freedom from active addiction. And. Like the longer I stay clean and the more I work steps and traditions, I really see like what that really, how much that means to me now, because freedom from active addiction is not just drugs. You know, I don't want to be caught up in drama. I don't want to be caught up in chaos. I don't want to be caught up watching porn, driving down the interstate. You know what I mean? All these things that I'm still capable of doing i mean i can easily become unmanageable and um you know it's it's <clears throat> i want to be free you know and when i got clean that was that was the decision i was truly making it wasn't just to be off drugs but it was really to be free like i wanted to be at peace and i wanted to have peace of mind and and um that's why really that sentence means so much because i do want to maintain freedom above all else so Thanks. Thanks, Carl. Douglas. <clears throat> Thanks, Michelle. Um, yeah, too, I think these two paragraphs kind of need to, to springboard off of the one the one before it. It's looking at like the strong in a message, clear boundaries, and the love and higher power and unity protect us, you know, from ourselves and then and then what people, including ourselves, kind of bring into the uh to the meeting space. Um, how I get what I take from that is like we, we need structure. I mean, some kind of structure to to operate safely within. And I know like my, my first reaction to that is like, oh, you know, I don't want to be told what to do and how to do it. But uh, um, I, I have experience with a lot of these you know, firsthand. And really what happened was the first way that I saw to to um, to handle was just watching how the old timers did it. You know, it wasn't like we were sitting around and we say, hey, let's, let's go grab, you know, some literature and figure out how to do this. It was like modeled by the people who, you know, who were coming to the meeting. And, you know, the one dude would always like to take new girls out and then take them out on his, on his boat and stuff. And then they'd be getting high together, you know, not too long ago. And I guess that was happening for a long time. And then um, after the meeting, you know, the, the guys would just tell him, you know, no, you're not doing it here. I'm not going to do it at this meeting. And there was some unity with that, you know, and there, there was, so I think that's a neat way to say, Hey, look, um, but of course, you know, people are adults are going to make their own decisions and, and stuff like that. I would rather be a part of Aaron on the side of caution of having more structure than, than of having like a free for all, you know, if I could just do, you know, do whatever. Um, which brings me to my comment about the, this sentence at the bottom of page 51 where it says here, um, like groups can't refuse an addict, but sometimes our actions or attitude push people out. At first, I made two annotations. I put question marks on each side because I'm, I'm really of the, of the mindset that nothing I can say that's going to make you leave and go get high. And you can't say anything that's going to make me leave and go get high. And that's immediately where I, where I go when I read this. But actually, it could be looked at the other way, too. Sometimes my actions or attitudes could push people out. Maybe, maybe not like push people out, but if I have this attitude of like, hey, man, I don't give a fuck what you do, do whatever. I'd have got high if the old timers took that approach with me. If I was left to my own devices, man, I didn't know how to do this thing. You know, they, they, they taught me how to do it. And so I feel this responsibility to, to do that, too. It's like I didn't know what I didn't know when I got clean. You know, and I'm sure there's other addicts like me, you know, coming in. So, so then I put down here, I made this annotation, care enough to say it, you know, care enough to tell somebody the truth, care about that person enough to tell the truth. Um, yeah, I think those are going to be my comments. I'll pass. Thanks, Douglas. I'm going I'm to hop in real quick. Um, and um, the, the line here that stuck out to me was, we gain little by ignoring difficulties and stand to lose much if we avoid the challenges we face. And um, this has come up more for me since I moved to the current area I'm in, which is you know a lot smaller. So when things, when there's issues, it's like, 
everybody knows, right? It's a small community. So it's, it, it's like this wildfire of like things spread and the phone starts ringing. Did you hear? Did you know? What are we doing? Right. And, um, and I think that the, the, the few things that I've seen that have really made a difference here in this area is that people who've worked the steps and the traditions have stepped in to help and offer that guidance, right? Like we had a situation when I first moved here 20 years ago, there was a gentleman who really inappropriately hugged women. It made women feel really uncomfortable. They didn't wanna to go to certain meetings. They didn't know how to set that healthy boundary for themselves. They felt like they had to hug because it was a meeting. Um, but they were feeling really violated by the way this person was hugging them. And, and, you know, men had talked to this person and I finally was like, I'll fucking talk to this guy. <laughs> like, you know, and I just sat down with him and as a woman said, and told him like, you know, whatever, had a conversation with him. And, and, and part of that was to say, it's not okay to make women feel unsafe in this meeting. And, you know, it's not your right just because you're a member here to hug women inappropriately. So if you can't change the, what you're doing, then you need to stop hugging women, period. You know, and um, people are going to keep reminding you of this if it continues. Um, you know, and, and also have been, you know, and I think that that, that sentence that you just read, uh, Douglas, about uh, groups can't, can't refuse an addict membership, but sometimes our actions or attitude push them out. Like I can think of that in two ways, right? The, the simple thing like, oh, I don't like you. And so maybe I'm cold shoulder to you and how you take that, like that's, that's your stuff, right? Or whatever. But where I've seen this be a bigger issue is where there are people that like their past, that, that members are trying to make their past be something that they don't want them in the meeting for. Um, and, you know, different, different scenarios, but I've seen it happen where like, they, they, they want to get clean. They deserve their seat in that meeting. And just because there are things in their past that are maybe less desirable than some of our other past behaviors, um, there's this attitude of unwelcomeness and that, that everybody's choosing to be unwelcome to certain people so that they will actually leave. Right. And that that's the energy. And I've, I've seen that here in a situation and, um, you know, there had to be that reminder that if they're not doing anything wrong, like you have a choice about whether or not you bring your kids to a meeting, uh, there's other means you can go to, and this person has the right to be in this meeting if they want to be in this meeting. Um, they have a right to recovery. And, um, you know, those are hard things. Those are, those are hard, those are hard moments where we have to come together or even something as simple as men's, women's meetings, women meetings, men's meetings and women's meetings, right? If somebody shows up and, and that's where they showed up for the night and they wanna get clean, then we welcome them. It doesn't matter if it's a man and a woman's meeting, like we welcome them. We don't make them feel unwelcome. We let them know it's a women's meeting. If they wanna stay there, welcome. And here's a list if this doesn't feel comfortable to you. But I think those are things that, um, you know, ways that that sentence um, can show up in a, in a negative way also that people can feel really unwelcome and we have to be conscious of how we, how we treat people in those situations. Uh, Alberto, I saw your hand up, but maybe it's down now. Okay. Um, all right, moving on folks. Uh, Carl, you wanna read? Sure. Sometimes physical barriers can get in the way of a welcoming atmosphere. We may not notice the accessibility of our meeting space, for example, until an addict with additional needs tries to attend. Our informational pamphlet, Accessibility for Those with Additional Needs, offers guidance on how to ensure that all addicts can make their way into meetings and find a message of hope. <clears throat> we follow the, gu the guidance of Tradition 3, considering whether our meetings are welcoming to all addicts in our community. Seeing addicts at different ages and clean times from different communities, cultures, faiths, and backgrounds tells each of us that there is room in NA for all of us. Sometimes groups have to work a little harder to ensure that a newcomer who doesn't seem to fit in can feel welcome. When I walked into my first meeting, there was no one there 
who looked like me, but the group welcomed me and encouraged me to stay. One member shared, I made sure to stay so the next newcomer who looked like me would feel like they could stay too. It may be useful to have a conversation about how the group can be more inclusive, but sometimes the question of who's missing from our meeting is one we can't easily answer ourselves. We can assess how welcoming we are if we pay attention to whether newcomers come back. Yeah, I mean, I've never really, I've never spent a whole lot of time in a meeting where someone came in in a wheelchair. Um, but I've, I've been around where like they have scooters and uh, motorized scooters and things like that. And I've also been to meetings where they couldn't get in to that. And um, like in our area, there's most, most of my meetings in our area are definitely like handicap accessible. But another thing I've, I've actually sponsored a guy who couldn't read and like NA actually has CDs. Like the book is on CD. And I know they have a lot of different things like Braille and they have all these different uh, different languages and they, they try, we really have tried to overcome a lot of barriers. And, you know, like the second paragraph, like I really love um, NA for, for this reason specifically because, you know, I was raised basically white you know what I mean and and Christian you know like my whole area was that and that was all I really knew I didn't know outside culture outside belief systems outside you know Paul says he calls that a ghetto you know that's what a ghetto is it's it's like people the same race belief system backgrounds and and like I was raised in that that's and but when I came to N.A. You know, I mean, you see it in the streets too, but you're not really having these type of conversations, you know, about what's your, your belief system and like, you know, none of that stuff comes up, but um, sometimes it does. But it um, depends on how loaded you are, I guess. But, but when I came to NA, uh, that's the beauty of, you, you know, unity and not uniformity. And there's all different race, background, creed, religion, no religion, uh, gender, sexual identity, um, but we all come together. You know, we're all unified by addiction and recovery from addiction. And like that to me created an atmosphere that allowed me to, to start asking questions, you know, and to start to, to dive into some of my upbringings, you know, and you know, my, my sponsor is African-American and, you know, so we'd have these long, deep conversations about cultural barriers, you know, and I would have never overcome, you know, and like one of my absolute closest friends is gay, you know, we hang out all the time, but I had the same thing with him, you know what I mean? I never really had hung around with gay men, you know, because I always thought, well, if I hang out with gay men, everybody's going to think I'm gay. And, you know, that can't, I can't allow that to happen. And, um, and then you start to hang out and you're like, who gives a shit? You know what I mean? Like we start to form authenticity because we have the ability to do that. There's an atmosphere that is so vast and open. It, it allows us to form an authentic self and, and feel safe to do that. And that to me, it, I mean, I don't know a whole lot of places where you can where you can find that you know and curse people out in a meeting and and still come back <laughs> because i definitely i promise you my my explore, exploration with god and concepts of god was not an easy one you know and and i would be in meetings and i would be sharing that god's an addiction and if you even believe in god you're an idiot and I spent a lot of time reading anti-theist books and bringing it into the meetings, you know, and people were just like, some people were like, you're going to relapse, but, um, you know, you turn your back on God, like, like you're going to relapse. And, um, I'd be like, yeah, you see, you can't even see it. You're addicted to God. You just can't even see it. And, you know, but some people are just like, you're doing good, man. Just keep coming back. 
you know, you're going to find what you're looking for. And I mean, damn, what a place. Thanks. Thanks, Carl. Anyone else have anything to add on that? All right, we got one little baby pair. Oh, Brooke, go ahead. I guess I just wanted to say one thing. I mean, when I first got clean and Donna, probably Michelle, probably too, um, not a whole lot of women in the rooms and certainly not a whole lot of single ones, <laughs> even less single ones. And the only reason there are now is because some of them decided to stay. Um, and so like, if someone is new, someone listening is new and they're like, I don't see anybody who looks like me, it really does work. If you stick around, you're gonna find um, other people who look like you who wanna stick around too. Um, and, and I've definitely seen that happen because the women in this program have a lot of time now. <laughs> we actually represent. <laughs> so that's all I have. Thanks, Brooke. Douglas, you want to add? Yeah, just real quick, Brooke, thank you really for saying that about, you know, the, the woman piece and stuff like this. I got clean when I was 16 and uh, nobody looked like me. I was the youngest by far in the, in the meetings I was going to like by, by a whole bunch. And uh, really, and I had the textbook story, man, the one dude, Teddy G is his name. Uh, he said, I was giving him shit one time, you know, I had like a, a couple of weeks clean. So I thought I knew what, I thought I knew the business. And uh, he said, he spilled more beer on his tie than I ever drank. You know, he really like, that's what he told me. I know that's a, but by the looks of him, it was true. Like he was a fucked up looking dude, you know, but anyhow, uh, but but the the cool thing is though, stay clean. Brooks, absolutely right. Look, if you if you're listening and you identify with nobody is this, and I'm this, and nobody that I see is this, stay clean long enough because, man, I I've met so many people who got clean as teenagers all over the world. It is just so neat, man. There is a huge population of us. And at one time, I thought I was like, damn, man, where where, you know, is are there anybody? You know, is there anybody? And and there is. So I, I just wanted to, to, to put that out there. So thanks for sharing that, Brooke. I'll pass. Thanks, Douglas. Yeah, I was a woman and 19 when I got here. Um, hey, Douglas, you want to read that last little paragraph for us? Yeah, when we make a decision uh, to join a home group, we might not know that we're about to fall in love. Still, much of the time, that's what happens. We take pride in our group and are glad to see people recover in the atmosphere we help create. We come to love our group, the members in it, and the place we meet. Our willingness to act in a spirit of unity and service opens the door for all addicts who care to join us. Uh, my comment on that is going to be, I'm really passionate about how I got clean, where I got clean. Um, as you guys know, I've shared many times here, pretty open about it. It's a, it's a very militant kind of perspective. And Phil is in that area now. He, he's in Southwestern PA. He knows the, the folks that I'm talking about. And, and they've lightened up, Phil. Honestly, I, I see you, but they've lightened up over the last 20 some years. You know. Uh, 22 years ago, it was just commonplace to be told, hey, man, shut the fuck up, you know, sit there and just shut the fuck up, you know. Um, look, and because that's how I got clean, like I place value in that, man. For me, I needed to be told, look, we got this. We, 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 know, we know this deal. We're going to show you how to get this deal. We don't need all this dumb shit that you're bringing in. I responded well to that, man. I really did. So, so that means a lot to me. And I also have seen this, though. My perspective isn't, isn't everybody else's perspective. And it took me a while. And, and here's the thing, man, that I've, I've come into kind of recently, actually. You know, this very recent season of my life, I've really come into, and, and I'll use, um, I, Don, I'll use you as an example. Um, this is strictly hypothetical. I know that we, we agree on just about everything. But if I see something one way and you see something the other, another way, what, what I'm not saying to you, what you're not saying to me is, hey, I hate you. I wish I never met you. But that's what addiction tells me, though, man. I'm talking about like every time I disagree with someone or they disagree with me, it's like cut all ties, go, go attack character, divisiveness, division. No, really what it is, it's a different perspective. And it's all love, man. It's a different perspective, you know, and that's what, what I've really come into this season and others are just as passionate about the way they got clean as I am about the way I got clean. And here's the cool thing, man. Like if, if NA is this big tent, there's room for us all. 
right in here, you know, nothing but love. And it, and it gives me a lot of hope to look at it that way. I'll pass. Thanks, Douglas. Alberto? So I'm really glad that we read that last paragraph because so like when I when I brought up that story of about like a month ago, a few weeks ago about, you know, that meeting where I was automatically saying, fuck that group. Um, I think it was like maybe a week or two later, I decided to stop saying that I don't like being here. Right. Because I I'm very vocal. Right. I'm, I have no problem telling the group that I don't fucking like them. Right. I won't tell them individually, but I'll be happy to tell that the group fucking sucks because yeah, honesty can be used um, as a defect as well or a shortcoming, right? Um, and so, like, I start, one day I realized that I was like, you know what? Maybe I should just stop saying that I don't like this group because maybe then I'll stop inviting the dislike. And so, like, I've, I've actually realized that I haven't said that to the group ever since I made that decision, right? But I know internally I still don't feel very comfortable with that group. And so what I'm realizing now is that, like, in the past when I did enjoy my home group where I was in love with the people there, like, I didn't care about staying late. I didn't care about talking to that newcomer. Like, I, I would be there an hour early and stay an hour late, right? And yet I'm looking at myself right now in my home group and I'm doing a personal inventory and I get there and I walk in right at six o'clock. And, and then I get pissed off that they go a minute or two over, right? Because I'm trying to leave. So where's my spirit and service? Like, where, 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 what am I doing for the newcomer? What, just because maybe sometimes I'll share and I'll talk about what NA has done for my life and all these beautiful things. Sure, that's fine. But what am I doing for the newcomer or even for the group itself? Um, yeah, that was an eye-opener because now I got to realize that, man, I got to change some things around because... I'm not a loving spirit in my home group, and I have to admit that today. Um, but I know where that road leads down to, and so I don't really, like, I get angry that I get angry. You know, before I used to love to get angry, right? Like, piss me off, feed me so I can destroy you. That was the mentality. Now today, it's just like, this sucks. I don't like it. Like, I want to feel happy. And so, yeah, um, our willingness to act in the spirit of unity and service opens the door for all addicts who care to join us. So that's something that I got to look at today, practice, definitely tell my sponsor tomorrow. Thank you guys. Thanks, Alberto. Um, I love this last paragraph as well. I like that when we make a decision to join a home group, we might not know that we were, we were about to fall in love. And um, I, I was sitting here and I was thinking, I remember the main meeting that I went to when I first got clean and similar to Douglas, I heard a lot now and somebody pointed out in the background over here that maybe it's the teenagers need to be told to shut the fuck up. But I was told to sit down and shut the fuck up quite a bit when I got here, that I had nothing to share yet and that I needed to get some recovery before I had anything to share. And um, so I spent a lot of time listening. I spent a lot of time sitting in the front row. You know, I spent a lot of time um, being guided because I really had no, I, I, I had no, my own choices were going to take me to all the wrong places. So I just, I just was a little puppy dog and I just followed these people around and did what they did and what they told me not to do and what they told me to do. I did those things. And I get that that doesn't work for everybody. I needed that tough love when I got here. I needed people to say, sit down and listen. I needed people to, to tell me, go here, go there, do this, do that. I needed that. It, and, and it worked. Um, but, but what I was thinking about was like, I don't know that I remember that I felt like that, that Clinton and Brewster was the meeting that I went to primarily. It was a Thursday night meeting. I can visualize the space. I can see it in my mind, but it, I don't really remember when I first got clean people talking about home groups as much. And maybe it was just, it took a longer, maybe it came, that came later, but I don't remember this like principle of like have a home group. Like I, I had service at multiple different meetings. I was cleaning ashtrays at Romp and Stomp and I was setting up chairs at Clinton and Brewster and I was, uh, you know, a coffee maker at, at Hamilton and Waverly. So I didn't have like one meeting that I necessarily, and maybe I just did it wrong and nobody like told me. So nobody told me I didn't, wasn't doing it right. Um, so, but then when I moved to central Oregon, like people would like, when they would start their share, they'd be like, my home group is, and I'd be like, oh, I guess I better have a home group here. And um, so Girls Night Out eventually became my home group here. And I had that feeling about it. Like I fell in love at, with this meeting. And 
um, in the beginning, it was like me and three other women that were consistently there and every once in a while somebody else would show up and stuff like that. But we like consistently were showing up to carry the message to be there for women and create this safe space for women and stuff. And, and it really meant something to me. And then the pandemic happened and blah, blah, blah. And, and I have this new home group now that like, I, I've truly fallen in love with these people. And like, I think about them all the time. I wonder how their days are going. We have a group chat. We like, we have a Facebook group. We like, you know, we're texting each other in the background all the time and there's meetups happening and things happening. And like, my heart has, has, I feel like the Grinch, man. I feel like my heart has just like gotten really big after the pandemic and after being like, I kind of got into this place right before the pandemic hit where I was like, oh, recovery is such a drag. And then early risers happened in my life and my love for Narcotics Anonymous has just like expanded in this way that I didn't know was still possible at this point in my recovery. And the opportunities I've had to like share my experience in hope in Jerusalem and in, in Ireland and in Latin America and have a sponsee in Germany, like my heart just like cracked wide back open about Narcotics Anonymous and, um, and that spirit of unity and how we come together to like keep this seven day for nine, nine meetings running every week. And um, it's just this beautiful flow of people coming together to keep the doors open, to keep bombers out, to, to like keep this really solid flow of recovery being talked about every single day, bringing it back on topic and it's just this beautiful, beautiful meeting that um, I just feel super grateful to be a part of and um, that I really care about it. So uh, yeah, Phil. Wow, uh, good stuff. Uh, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be real quick. I, I could not help uh, not, not to notice. Uh, we are glad to see people recover in the atmosphere that we help. Uh, to create and um, atmosphere of recovery. Uh, I, I, I always say this, you know, you know, it has to start with me. I, I need to be that good atmosphere when I, when I come to, to a uh, meeting, the atmosphere has to start with me, but then it goes on to say, uh, we come to love our group, uh, the members in it and the place where we meet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's what I want. I've been noticing uh, uh, a lot of changes since uh, COVID is lifting and, and this and that, and especially at the, the men's meeting in, in Pittsburgh with, with the atmosphere and how the men have been feeling and the compliments uh, the meeting is, is, is getting now. Uh, oh, this is a nice meeting. Oh, you, you people are so welcoming. Uh, oh, you people read. Oh, you, oh, you people uh, do this and like, you know, uh, anymore it's like they don't want to leave and then the meeting is um it's like blown me away i've never seen anything thing like this we have a lot of uh new literature and things that, that they're reading down 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 there too and um you know uh sometimes that may be the the, the flavor too but um uh, i just wanted to put that out there that's all i got thanks phil donna yeah i, I want to be real quick here I, I, I uh, my home group, my first home group, I was absolutely in love with that group. They loved me. They welcomed me. They nurtured me. They taught me about service. They taught me about belonging. They taught me about traditions. Um, the third edition of the, of the basic text was just coming out. We had just stopped saying alcoholics in, in the meetings, you know, and we were learning about all that stuff. And just that atmosphere of welcome is, is so vital to me and to people like me. And, um, and, uh, and you absolutely could have run me out of the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous when I was new. Absolutely could have done it. Couldn't do it today, but you could have done it when I was new by letting me know that I was stupid, dumb girl that needed to shut up and sit down. I would have been right out the door, right after I punched somebody in the face, right? I just, 
Uh, I mean, and here's the deal. Douglas got exactly what he needed and I got exactly what I needed. That is the beauty of Narcotics Anonymous is it just, it's wide open. There's so many different kinds of experiences. So I love you guys. Thanks, Donna. Oh man, this was a good one tonight. Um, thanks guys for all being here. And, and um, just as a side note, we're not gonna go through the group inventory questions. So we encourage folks to do those with their groups. We'll be back next week to talk about the in-service section. We're gonna read through the, the uh, paragraphs there. So we do encourage everybody to take those group questions back and, and talk those inventory questions through with your groups. And some good important conversations to have there. So thanks again for joining us on episode 32 and we'll see you next week. Thank you for walking with us on this journey. Please reflect on what was discussed and apply it to your life. Share this resource with anyone you feel led to do so.